Well, we are going to move on now in our time of, of worship to listen to the Word of God proclaimed. And we're back into our series on the book of Ephesians. And so I'm going to invite Rachel to come and, uh, and, and present the Word of God, to preach the Word of God to us. So um, let me pray for Rachel. And then can I encourage you to open your ears, open your hearts to receive what God wants to say through his Word and through Rachel. So, Father, we thank you for Rachel. Thank you for the gift that she is to us. As a family, thank you for the gift uh, that you have given her to be able to expound your word and to apply it to our lives. And Father, I pray that you would speak through her this morning. And I pray for us that you would give us, us hearts that will hear what you have to say to us and that will respond in joyful obedience to your wonderful word. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Dan. So my name is Rachel and I have the privilege of going through the next instalment in our preaching series. Um, if you haven't been with us over the past few months, we have been working through the book of Ephesians. Um, and today we're going to be looking at the last half of chapter four. So if you've got your Bibles, then please turn to that. If not, the, um, the text will come up on the screen um, above me. Um, and I'll be reading that in a minute. Um, but just to recap what we've had so far, um, Paul, the apostle who's written this letter, um, is talking to the church on what they should know about Christ, what Christ has done for them. He um, talks about salvation, that Christ saved them. He talks about the fact that they were dead in their sin, but now they are alive in Christ. And he talks about the fact that they were all accepted by the blood of Jesus and are all made into one new humanity, all of different groups of people all together. These are some of the foundational truths that Paul was eager for them to know. And then the second half of the book where we started a couple of weeks ago with Daniel Goodman, when he joined us, Paul is telling the church of what they should now do in light of what they, should now, uh, what they now know. So we're going to look at verses 17. We're going to look, um, break it down into chunks um, as I go through. And I've got three points um, through this, free, uh, this preach. The first one is the old self. The second one is the new self, and the third is putting on the new self. And if you're a youth here today, that should answer your first three questions if you're following your um, activity sheet. Um, so yeah, so first 17 to 20. No, nope, 17 to 19. It says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous and given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. So let, us re let me remind you of who the Gentiles were. So they were those that weren't Jewish. And from reading previous chapters, we saw for the first time that Gentiles were coming to know Christ as their saviour. And this was a huge revelation for them. But we know that the Gentiles, as a people group, did not know Jesus. They didn't know the God of the Jews. And they lived in ways that were not pleasing to the Lord at all. And so Paul is saying to the church now that these still are technically Gentiles in the flesh, but they were no longer like them anymore. And they shouldn't live like they were doing because they knew what Christ had done for them. So this is my first point, the old self. Paul is clearly describing how the Gentiles were living. And this is how they were all living before they knew Christ. It says that their thinking was futile. And this means that it produced no good results. It was fruitless. It only produced sinfulness. It said that they were alienated from the life of God. If you are alienated from something, you're strangers to them. They were strangers to the life of God. They didn't know God. They had no regard for God. 
All they cared about was giving themselves over to their own desires and satisfying their own needs, as this is all that they knew. They didn't know that there was a different way of living. They didn't know that there was a God, and their understanding had been darkened. Have you ever been into a dark room that you've never been into before? And you're kind of walking around looking for what's in front of you and looking for the light switch. You're kind of walking around a little bit disorientated, not knowing what you're going to find. And this is what they were like. They were walking around in the darkness, but they didn't know that there was a light switch. They didn't know that there was a light. They didn't know that there was a God who was there. It was as if they were walking around in the dark. And this is what we were like before we come to know Christ. This describes us. We were walking around in the dark. We were separated from God. And because of their way of living, because of their sins, they couldn't come close to God. They couldn't come in relationship with him. And their hearts were being hardened. We feel from our hearts and we love from our hearts and we act from our hearts. And if our hearts have been damaged in any way whatsoever, it affects the way that we live. It affects the way we act with others. It affects the way we love. And I think we can see this in the world today around us. People's hearts can go after what they want, when they want. And if someone doesn't have God in their hearts, it's so easy to go after these worldly desires without any regards to God whatsoever. It's all they know and it's all they care about. In our core, we seek pleasure, whether that be in obvious ways or in subtle ways, whether that be going after a little bit more money, a little bit more power, a bit more influence. We might try and go, um, find our own way of finding purpose or meaning. And before Christ, when we have a darkened understanding, it's easy to go after those things. It's natural to go after those things. But this way of life has no meaning and it has no purpose. And it is very damaging. And Paul here is very, very, very serious when he's talking to the Christians and saying, do not live like that any longer. Because he knows that this was not God's intention for them. As we've read previously in the letter to in Ephesians, God made a way for us to be saved from our old lives, our old ways of living. And the first three chapters that we've uh, read through as a church, we can just relish in what God has done for us that he's chosen us, that he's saved us, that he's forgiven us, and that he's given us a heavenly inheritance. That We don't deserve any of this stuff, but he did that for us. He saved us, not so that we could continue living as we once were in our old lives, in our old way of living, but he saved us into a new life, which is way better than the last one, way more pleasurable than the last one. And this leads me on to my second point, and we're going to read the next couple of um, verses. This is a new self. It's from verse 20. It says, but, this, but that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to the former ma manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. So this is my next point, the new self. So these Christians that Paul was addressing now, they needed to be encouraged, they needed to be reminded to continue to no longer live like they were living. They had met with Jesus. And now because of that, they needed to live like they'd met with Jesus. When they put their trust in Jesus, God gave them a new heart. So they needed to live like they had new hearts. Not, they weren't dead anymore. They needed to live like they were alive. When God made them alive, they weren't alienated anymore. 
They were, in fact, part of his family. So now they needed to live as if they were part of God's family, not like strangers. They needed to change their ways of living as this was no longer who they were now. Before they went with Jesus, they were broken. They were messed up. They were sinful. They were hopeless and they were living for themselves. And this was us too. Before we met with Jesus, we lived for ourselves. But now they knew Jesus. They were new creations. And it says that they were created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. This is who we are now as believers. This is how we should live as new creations. Over the past few weeks, you may have noticed that it's rained on and off. And I don't know why, but if it's going to rain, it rains at 9 a.m. and at 3 p.m. You may know, it's the school run time. And if I get really wet on these journeys, if, I'm, if I've gone home, I've got the choice when I get home. Do I stay wet in my clothes or do I change and get dry? I have to think, what's going to be better for me at this time? Paul uses the phrase, put off your old self and put on your new self. I've been really thinking about this over the past few weeks as a real a physical thing. When you say, take something off, you're saying, I no longer want that. I'm disregarding it. I'm saying no, no to that. And when you're putting something on, you're saying, this I'm choosing to have. This is good for me. So when I get soaked from the rain and I decide that getting changed would be better for me, I don't just put the dry clothes on over the wet clothes. This would not help. This would make no sense whatsoever. It sounds simple, but it's the same here. We don't just put our new self over the old self, but we completely change. We can't have both selves on. It's not good for us and it's not what God wants for us. Paul is saying, take off the old, completely discard it because this is not who you are anymore. And replace it with the new because this is who Christ has made you. This is who we are in Christ. So you might be thinking at this point, or you may have thought before, but I'm too stuck in my old life to ever change. I don't think I could ever put this new self on because of who I am. But let me remind you that it's only God that can transform us. It's nothing to do with us. It's by his Holy Spirit that he can change us and give us his new self, our new self. It's his pleasure to make us more like him. It's not by our own doing. It's not by our own strength. It is a gift from God. I love the fact that Paul uses the term walk in verse 17. And it's not the only time in the Bible that it refers to being a Christian as a walk. And this is because we have to choose this life daily. We don't just put our trust in Jesus um, one day and then get zapped into a complete uh, perfect picture of righteousness. And we don't just say, God, you're my king. And then assume that we can just sit back and relax and think that life is just going to change around us. It doesn't work like that. We have to learn how to walk as a Christian. And sometimes it's so easy to slip back into our old ways of living, especially if that is all we've known. But we know as followers of Christ that God has done everything for us already. We don't need to strive to be perfect people. That's not going to happen until we meet with Jesus. But we should want to be people that live lives that are honouring and pleasing to our Father in heaven because of what he's done for us. So if you're a Christian here, I'd like to have a little think. What is your transformation story? Maybe you've got a testimony of how once you were living for your fleshly desires and after these worldly things, and then you met with Jesus and he's changed your life. What was that like? Was it an instant thing? Or are you, or did you, and are you trying to walk through those things on a daily basis, learning more of what Christ has done for you along the way? 
or maybe you've been a Christian for a really, really long time, or, or like me, grew up in a Christian family and, and kind of gave yourself, gave yourself to Jesus as a, as a young age. And maybe you don't consider yourself with this huge transformation story. But if you're a Christian, if you follow Jesus, you are completely changed. You are a new creation that God has made. Whether you gave your life to God as a child or whether it's been a really recent thing, you've been completely changed and you have a great story to tell. We were far off, but Jesus brought us in. We had no hope, but Jesus gave us hope. We were once separated, alienated from God, but Jesus made a way to, for us to be accepted into his family. Are we living with these truths in our hearts? Are we living like we have hope? Because we do have hope. Are we living like we're accepted? Because we are accepted. Are we living like new creations? Because that is who we are now. If you're anything like me, you'll have to remind yourself often that you're not your old self anymore. That is not who you are. God has saved me. He saved you from your old way of living, from your old life. God has done that for us and it should motivate us to live in lives that reflect that. So we've looked at the old self, not to live like that anymore. We've looked at Paul saying, live with this new life, this new self. So what does that look like? And that's my next point, putting on your new self. Verse 25 onwards, it says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbour, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but, let him, but rather let him labour, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he have, may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamour and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So there are two lists in, this, in these few verses, the old self and the new self. On the old self, we have put off falsehood, put off anger, put off stealing, put off corrupting talk, put off breathing the Holy Spirit. Put off bitterness, wrath, anger, clamour, slander and malice. And then on the new self, it says put on truthfulness, put on honest work, put on generosity, put on encouraging speech, put on kindness and tenderheartedness and put on forgiveness. These are very practical ways that Paul writes on how we as Christians should live in a way that honours and pleases God. This is what it looks like to live out our new self. So Paul's talking to normal people here. He's not talking to those super Christians that have got everything sorted. The church is full of normal people. That includes people that struggle with anger. That includes people that are, uh, have stolen things. That includes people who are bitter and so on. We are all works in progress here. And we need to hear this message at some point or another. And some of these points will resonate with you more than others, and that's fine because we're all on different journeys. But it is something that we need to work through with God to ask for his Holy Spirit to help us in those areas that we might be struggling in. 
So I'm just going to highlight a few of these areas from, from this last um, passage that I've just read. Paul is addressing the church here in this letter. How do we find it being here at Life Church? How do we find it being truthful, truthful with one another and honest with one another? Are we open to sharing our lives in, in our life groups or in our, in our small settings? Do we find good counsel with, with a few of our friends, our close friends, that we can really listen to what they're saying and take on board what they're, what they're saying? Are we able to encourage one another? It's so good to be able to encourage each other. Are we doing that here? How are we at home with our families, our spouses or our kids? Do we speak truthfully with them? Do we love them? Do we forgive them? Do we build them up and encourage them? Or do we let anger get between us and allow the devil to get in? Because when the devil gets in, it's easy to point fault at each other. So many times, I'm sure you might have done this as well, you have to count to 10 before dealing with situations. It might be longer, it might be 20, it might only be five, if you're good at it. <laughs> so many times I've had to ask God to break in in situations at home. God is having to teach me more patience with my kids, with my husband. He's teaching me to... He's teaching me to encourage them more. I love to encourage the kids. It's great to see them thrive. And it's not always easy when you're saying, be kind to each other. They don't get it. I don't get it all the time. But I'm having to learn myself how to be kind to them because I want them to see that. I want my life to reflect kindness and goodness so that they see it and learn it as well. How are we at work? Are we giving ourselves to work well with the job that we've been given? Do we find it easy to gossip or to slander in the staff areas? Or can we encourage our colleagues? Do they get encouraged on a daily basis? I don't know if they do. Can we be the ones that encourage them? Do they see us as different to them? Do they see us as new creations? I have to think this. Do my friends, when I'm at the school gate on the school run, do they see me as different to them? I don't know. I hope they do. But this is something that we've got to work on. And how are we with dealing with money? It says in here about giving um, to those in need. We've, we've just given as a church. How did, that, how did that make you feel? How did, where, where was your heart in that? I used to struggle with giving money away. And that's because I found security and money in the bank. But God is teaching me, continually teaching me, that he's in control and he's done it all for me. So God, here are my finances. It's a walk, it's a journey of trusting I want to demonstrate my life that reflects what he's done. So these are all real ways that I'm sure that we all deal with at some point. When we break the list down, it's easy to see how the old ways of life can affect our daily life. They come up every day. But knowing what Christ has done for me, what, what Christ has done for us, it should make us say, I don't want to live like that any longer. I don't want to live with my old self any longer. I want to put the new self on and live lives that are honouring to him. Living lives that are truthful, generous, encouraging and kind. This life sounds so good to me and I want to live like that. And then the last verse of the chapter, it says, forgive one another. I feel like this is sometimes the hardest one. And that's because you're having to say to someone that has wronged you, I choose to forget your sins. That's really hard sometimes. And I'm sure that we've all had to battle with that at some point or another to say, I forgive you. 
But it doesn't just stop there. It says, as God in Christ forgave you. This is the big thing. This is the truth. This is the gospel. God has forgiven us. God gave his only son for us. Jesus didn't have an old self. He didn't have a new self. He didn't need to be changed. He was perfect as he was. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, because he died a horrible death, and he chose to forgive all of our sins, our past sins, our present sins, our future sins, and that means that we've been made new, new in Christ. This is who we are now. So with that in mind, knowing that God has forgiven us, every time we step back into our old life and mess up, if we say, sorry, Lord, he's forgiven us. Let us forgive others as Christ has forgiven us. So in a minute, we're going to go back into a time of praise. And let us look to Jesus. He has done everything for us. He has changed us. He has redeemed us. He has made us whole. He has made us alive. Let us look to him. If you're a Christian here today, take off the old. That is not you anymore. Put on your new self because that is who God has made you. Put it on. Think of it as a physical thing, if you like. Take off the old, put the new on. And if you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian here this morning, I just want to tell you that there is a God who loves you. There is a God who has a completely great, wonderful life for you. It's like no other. He is here this morning. He was here when we were worshipping together this morning. And please do speak to someone. If you want to learn more about Christ, don't go away without speaking to someone about it. Because he is here for you. So I'm going to pass it back to them. Thanks, Rachel. Um, I think it's probably right to take a few minutes. Um, there's a lot of stuff in that passage. And I'm sure that in a room this size that... Uh, there will have been a number of things that came up for different ones of us that you just felt, as Rachel read it or as Rachel was explaining, you just felt the Holy Spirit gently, but perhaps firmly, putting his finger on your heart and going, come on, that's, that, that's something I want to get out of you. And um, it may be that as, as Rachel was preaching, you just felt that sense of, oh, I recognise myself in some of those. And if that's you, and I'm sure that will be probably all of us in a number of ways. I want to encourage you that feeling that finger from the Holy Spirit poking on those areas of your life is not God pointing the finger at you saying, I'm going to stand off and I'm going to tell you off at a distance. It's God as a father saying, I, I want to help you to grow. My desire for you is that you would become more and more like Jesus. And so in my love, in my grace, I'm going to point out areas of your life that don't line up with the new creation that I've made you to be. So I want to I make sure that we've got a, a, a bit of space and time before we take communion together to do a bit of business with God individually. So I'll just allow us a few minutes. You might want to close your eyes, bow your head, whatever helps you engage with God. But um, if you've felt that, that loving conviction of the Holy Spirit, just highlighting areas where he wants to, he wants to say, I want to help you to grow out of that. So just do business with God. What does that look like? I think that looks like saying, Holy Spirit, yeah, you've, you've, you've pointed out an area of my life. I'm aware that there's sin and there's weakness. I want you to help me. I want you to help me to turn away from that. I want you to help me by your power to walk free from that, whether that's anger, unforgiveness, malice, 
corrupting talk, whatever it is. So I think that's part of what it looks like to do business with God is asking him to help you. But it may be that for some of us, there's some very practical steps that the Holy Spirit highlights as we're doing that. It may be particularly if, the, if you find, oh, you know what, there's some unforgiveness in my heart. It may be that there's some unforgiveness towards someone in this, in this room. And it may be that the Holy Spirit is actually calling you to say, come on, why don't you go and talk to that person after the meeting and why don't you be reconciled to them? And that may take boldness, but stepping out in obedience to the prompting of the Holy Spirit is always for our good and is always going to be the best thing for us. So let's take a few minutes to do business with God.